and welcome to the Unheard Voices podcast brought to you by the members of Renfrew Youth Voice. On today's episode, I am joined by RYV members Violet and Adrian, and our special guest is Michelle Campbell, who is a councillor for Renfrew Council. And unfortunately, my co-host Zoe won't be joining us today. So, to start today's podcast off, can I ask us to introduce ourselves with a little bit of context as to what we've been up to? So, hello, I'm the host, Graham. I, I haven't been up to much, and I'm also the treasurer of RYV. I'm alright, just keeping busy with college work. I will now pass it on to Violet. Hello. I am our wavy member, Violet. Um, I haven't been up to much really, just been busy with schoolwork, learning my monologue, trying to think of gestures and my posture and everything. Um, actually, it was my birthday a few days ago, very luxurious, stuck in lockdown. Luckily, I did not get any hand sanitizer, which I would have thought I would have got. I would have been so angry if I got that, to be quite honest. But <laughs> yeah, actually, it was really well. You know, Adrian. So hi, I'm, I'm the chairperson of Renshaw Youth Voice, um, and my week so far hasn't been that fun, actually. I've been just doing assignments, mostly, um, and had two of those submitted on Monday, and since then, I have literally just been being a vegetable. Uh, I absolutely do not enjoy sort of this period of time running up to the end of the semester especially now that they've changed everything from exams to sort of take home assignments so in between all of this working with you guys on the RYV Unheard Voices project and some other stuff that we're doing around the SDV Children's Appeal so keeping keep myself busy but also not enjoying the drudgery that is you know the uni assignment how about yourself Michelle? Um, I have been quite busy with the council at the moment. I am the deputy for the emergencies board. So um, at the moment, because of the lockdown, the council boards that normally would be there are all kind of like switched off and everything goes through an emergency process and the emergencies board. So um, I, I still am very busy in that regard. And obviously um, out in uh, Erskine and in Shannon, um, I've got constituents there who've been contacting me um, about things that, you know, issues that they're faced with so I'm still very very busy with my casework um, as I should be and uh, as are um, most of the councillors at the moment are you know busy making sure that those voices are heard um, in between that and uh, working in, in the NHS and also now I do work for a, a parliamentarian now as well so um, life is very very busy for me um, but I, I always say it's better for me to be busy and kept out of trouble um, for me so uh, yeah no that's yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on board guys and uh, I'll hand back to Graham. No, come up to the question segment where we ask our special guest Michelle Campbell questions about how the virus has affected her work as a local councillor and how it has perhaps brought her back to her old workplace the NHS. So in general what do you think about the pandemic? Um, I think that's a huge question um, to, to answer. It's really difficult. I think that it's been surreal, it's been worrying, it's been really anxiety provoking, it has been been a really nerve-wracking time for a lot of people and um, I, I really feel frustration that there's a limit to how much I can reassure people and um, you know with work that I do as a counsellor you know I'm in essence trying to help people as much as I can and um, but with something like a pandemic you know when we don't have all the answers and um, you know when people are losing their lives and um, there's no sugarcoating that and um, you know it's hard to be faced with a reality like that I, I mean I might be 36 years old but I've never lived through a time like this so it doesn't matter whether you're 36, 106, um, you know, 86 or six years old, 
you know, um, you know, we're we're in a really really unique period of time in, in the lives that we're living at the moment. Um, so surreal, I think, is probably the the best word to describe it at the moment, Graham. Do you think some things will remain permanently changed due to it? I think that there will be measures that will be changed for a very significant period of time, um, because of the impact that um, coronavirus or COVID nineteen um is has been referred to um as has impacted our lives until we ultimately have a vaccination and an effective treatment for the the illness and we need to be cautious about the way that we go about our lives and the way that we live it so yeah i think that there will be changes do you think see from um just in general the way that people have now been living um one of the things that i wonder is do you think some people in just societies as well will change the way that they live more generally do you think perhaps as an example people might live more of a digital lifestyle now and they can contact people more um through digital means than what they would have pre-pandemic? I think possibly, yes. And I think that's where there's a positive to be taken from this. I think that um, certain types of individuals might shy away from technology. Um, other people are really tech savvy. I'm that middle ground where I know how to use some bits of tech and not necessarily others. And I'm hopeless when it all goes wrong. And that's where I've had to deal with things myself more. Um, you know, because, you know, I, it's me that's, do, you know, for example, on this podcast, if something goes wrong, I'm going to have to deal with it. Um, you know, and I think that it's given me a greater confidence that way and um, I think it's a better way to get in touch with people that are maybe further away and um, my own family lives in Fife I know it's maybe not that far in comparison to others uh, but I'm obviously not able to see my own family at the moment and um, I know other people are very much in that same situation and it's really hard to, to not see them so I think um, after this has all been and gone they're still going to be in Fife and I'm still going to be here and um, but I definitely think I would use technology more so I would encourage I would like to think more people will as well I think that there's definitely a step in that direction and we'll probably see companies investing in that tech a bit more as well. I think definitely from a youth work point of view, um, for us it's been a really sort of enlightening sort of approach. We've realised that now that we can contact a lot of people from various different places, we don't necessarily need to have that excuse of you can't get to a certain location to involve everyone or to see everyone. And one of the things that we've discussed is that um, eventually when we get back to whatever normality we have when we're meeting again, we could in essence and hopefully will um, have people join in digitally as well who might not be able to actually physically get there for whatever reasons whether that's because they have carers responsibilities or they have other things that are just not allowing them to get to where we are in person and I think that's definitely a positive that we've took from it from a youth work point of view yeah I think I totally agree and I think that I know that there's been sort of like memes of it but you know people saying things like you know people are now realizing how many meetings can be an email Um, you know it's like there is there's so many things that when I became a counsellor that I was like why do we need to have a meeting about this why can't we just have a quick discussion about uh, um, so it will deal with some of the bureaucracy and that's just my own opinion is that I feel that sometimes red tape gets in the way far too much when we're trying to be progressive and um, whereas this will actually enable uh, it enables a lot of people who maybe wouldn't be able to for example attend a meeting and um, if it is that they've got care responsibilities or it might be just that within their disability for example people who have extreme agoraphobia um, you know anxiety disorders you know it's stopping eliminating them from the conversation if they're able to join from a forum like this where they're then um maybe feel a bit more comfortable because they're at home and they're able to deal with the situation better then we're in, we're actually allowing for more open discussion as well so it's something that i would like to actually see more of and um, to make sure that we have a more inclusive conversation on a more <laughs> personal level what has life been like for you during the pandemic like 
what has been the biggest things that have changed? Um, to be honest, I I went from working um, as a counsellor and as a nurse, and as a nurse, I was doing night shifts in order for me to be able to do my council work more effectively. Um, to then working in an office space, and I only worked in that office space for three weeks, and then all of a sudden I was at home working um, at a desk with a computer, you know, with two phones, <laughs> um, because, you know, because obviously I'm on one and the the office. Uh, and the council phone and um, you know it was it was just adapting to routine like I've never worked um, a job that was if you want to call it quote unquote nine to five um, you know but even at that I wasn't I wasn't working nine to five initially because you know the need for the community was so much greater than that but um, I, I, you know you just do what you need to do that's my own opinion is that's what I, I do as a nurse as well is that if I'm in the middle of doing something if I'm caring for someone if I'm doing something to help someone else out I'm not watching what time it is and what time I clock off at it's, it's it's not built in me to be that way. Um, so just being used to being around um, another human being, to be honest, uh, because I am married and um, it's a, a real test of time. And I'm sure <laughs> many people who are married would probably agree because you just get used to your routine. Like, for example, he's always worked Monday through Friday um, in an office type setting. I haven't. I've always done shift work. And then all of a sudden we're spending all this time together. And I've always said that for, um, for people people's mental health um, and, and and part of your personal health and growth it's really really important that you make time for yourself and um, your partner um, should always be encouraging that's a two-way thing you know that's about healthy relationships that you know that you support whatever the other person is doing that way um, and my husband thankfully has always been very very supportive of me um, and my career options and choices and my ambitions um, so I do work a lot I'm a bit of a workaholic so for me to then switch off from work and then not have maybe a, you know three or four meetings that I have to attend in the community because those things aren't currently happening at the moment and um, you know for me then not to be able to go and physically see that constituent you know like I would maybe go and arrange a visit to see that tree that's an issue etc that is how I am used to functioning and to then not have that at all was a huge change and um, it's nice being around my dog more I love my dog and um, he has been my saving grace I mean I do love my husband don't get me wrong <laughs> 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 I really love my dog. Um, he has been absolutely wonderful for both of us because, you know, you, you hear the news, you hear the update, you hear the latest daily update. And I think sometimes um, we forget to just check in on ourselves a bit more. Um, so it's really, really important that when you, you know, it's not just about going, oh my God, this is really real. You know, things are really changing and, you know, I'm having to do all this stuff and it's really, really stressful. Um, it's acknowledging that that's how it's making you feel, but it's also about, well, what am I going to do to make that feel better? so that I can deal with this a lot better um, you know so for me it is taking my dog out for a walk you know it's the simple mm-hmm. things it's, I think some some of the things I'm more grateful for are more simple and easy things that perhaps I've taken for granted over, over time purely because I've not had time to sit and, and enjoy it a bit more so it's nice to have the company and to actually have proper conversations again but because I'm obviously quite um, democratically minded it always ends up in a debate more than often, <laughs> more often than not um, you know but that's that's how I have felt about lockdown anyway. But what about yourselves? How have you sort of felt about it? I, to, to be honest, like, 
For me, it's refreshing to see a familiar but new face at the same time. See, because we're all stuck into this together, so you're used to seeing people over and over, then you don't see them for quite a long time. Then you see them, say, randomly in the street, you're like, oh, a new face, hello, how are you? It's kind of like you appreciate what you have a lot more and who you actually miss a lot more as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think one of the points that you made there, Michelle, really sort of probably resonate with a lot of people is it kind of makes you take uh, stock of what you've got and also look at what you might have took for granted and I think a lot of people might find that they're reconnected with a lot of things maybe whether that's just socially or even with like the world itself and nature because I know that a lot more people are really taking advantage of that one hour of exercise a day and really taking those long walks and enjoying it um, for me personally it's literally only been a time of uni work still working in Screwfix because that's uh, a hardware store and being deemed essential um, and then working a lot with the young people as well and that's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is just seeing how sort of resourceful the young people have been and how well they they cope in sort of situations like this as well as they can cope and how um how sort of they're there for each other and how supportive they can be for each other and even not just for each other but for others as well that work with us from a youth sort of work perspective like um how our youth workers Lizzie and Siobhan um they do daily check-ins with us but then it's not unusual for us to then ask them how are you doing and are you okay and that open dialogue as well so I think that's one of the things I'd say is that definitely changed is more of a, a community focus I'd say. Yeah I totally agree with that I think that's something that I have always found a bit frustrating as a counsellor at times is that the the understanding of what the meaning of community is has changed a lot over the years I think if you go back 30-40 years ago and what community was and how communities were and I think this is sometimes where we've had this discussion before about you know the way that people misconceive young people and what young people do and because there's different generations that are all living with each other that word community means something very different to uh, one spectrum to the other um, and I think that this has been a really enlightening period of time that we're in that we're seeing that crossover coming in really nicely um, you know that I think that because younger people are like for example better with tech so they're able to use their technology to get communication up far quicker um, so if there is an issue in a community like I'm talking within local streets here then they've started a network far quicker than you know what it would usually would have happened if you're talking about maybe 30, 40 years ago, it would have taken longer for us to maybe deal with it because we wouldn't have had those networks there. Um, so it's a really, like I said, surreal is the word I always come back to with this pandemic because I think technology has been a big part of what is our cure. Um, I know that there's lots of things that can be very harmful and um, like I do try and restrict the amount of tech that I'm using, you know, my screen time. Um, I switched off, like on, on Friday, I just switched off all my notifications and, you know, I had that time out away from it because I think that that's also really important um, but that sense of community um, I think that young people have been tremendous across Renfrewshire I'm really proud of all the different stories I'm seeing about the things that people are doing for people around them you know supporting each other and people around them as well um, you know I really don't think I could ask much more as a young person's champion because I'm really really proud of everyone. Have you found parts or aspects of your job more difficult now due to the coronavirus? Um, yes that is <laughs> the simple answer um, there are inquiries that I will get that you know it's to do with people who have been really worried about their life about um, living about you know their ability to live um, being really scared and um, I suppose my job has became more aligned with the work that I had been doing for people who suffered from really long and enduring mental health problems um, you know there's rather than it just being about mental health issues though it's been it's been about people generally in their day 
to day, which is that they're having that panic and worry. You know, people have never maybe had that problem before. They've never had to think like that. They've not had, I'm not saying that people are mentally unwell because of this, but what I'm saying is that people who have longer and enduring mental health issues, when they get to grasp with their illness, they understand those triggers for themselves a bit more. So the pandemic may lean on that, but they will also know how they would normally deal with that sort of issue or stress. Whereas people who maybe have taken their mental health for granted or don't view it in that capacity of importance, they're having to learn really, really quickly. And for some people, that's just too much for them to, to deal with. So I feel I've kind of taken that ambassador role again and, you know, trying to offer that reassurance as much as I can. It kind of goes back to that same point about it's so tough when there's limits to how much reassurance I can do. You know, um, we've obviously heard some really devastating, um, you know, stories about people who've lost their lives. And I mean, that that lives with you, you know, that we're all going to live with that. We're not going to forget this. You know, when we move forward, this is going to be a huge part of our history. I'm really proud to be able to offer a supportive role within that. I think that that's the way I'm viewing it, is that at least I feel I've got the strength to be able to give that leadership and support to individuals in the community and, um, you know, the openness to have my door open virtually and on the phone at the moment, um, you know, to make sure that, that they get that support, but also within my remit uh, on the emergencies board to make sure that those real-time issues such as obviously PPE has been the, the big sort of uh, issue uh, over weeks um, in terms of making sure we've got that access. So when those national questions are being asked, I'm sitting in there in that chair, in that meeting, and I'm asking those questions to keep the accountability to people um, that matter in, in, in the council so that I can give that reassurance to people in our communities as well. So yes, my job has changed, but it's more, it's a bit of a chameleon job is the best way to describe it. It is an ever-changing role. Your priority changes from one thing to another and um, t- you've got to be the type of individual, be the individual that's adaptable. Um, and that's something that I do tend to pride myself on is that I've been able to adapt and change and assist people as much as I can. I think that um, that really sort of makes sense um, where you're talking about the, the impact that it may be having on people's mental health who, as you said, kind of took it for granted. Um, I think for young people anyway, mental health has always been something that perhaps has been a sort of long-standing issue for a while. And to some degree, I would hope that a lot of young people are a bit more aware of their own sort of mental health and their health and well-being due to that. But I think that would be my main concern would be coming out of this and part of the driving force behind our reasoning of uh, pulling together this Unheard Voices project is to make sure that we have the, the information there that young people can hopefully provide us to make sure that when we come out the other end, we can say, well, young people have told us X, Y, and Z, and this is the support that they need. And their mental health might have been affected or compounded by these things. So therefore, this might be something that we should look at, or the Scottish government or the UK government, we can ask to look at, or even at a local level, the, the council can ask, we can ask them to look at sort of alleviating some of those stresses, helping or providing some support. And then just going back to the other point you made there about um, the, the sad cases that we've heard of people who have lost loved ones. And I think personally, I haven't heard anything or had heard of any family members or anybody that I know closely that has um, lost someone to COVID-19. Although sadly, one of our board members who is currently taking a step back, one of our family members had passed away due to the coronavirus. And I think that was when, for me, it really brought it close to home. And I have a lot of, of time and respect for this individual and to hear that she and her family was going through that. It was hard for me to even empathise and understand what that must be like, but to also know that when she is ready and when and if she needs that support, we're always there to offer it was reassuring in my mind anyway. Yeah, I think I think that that's, you know, that's it. It's about being there for each other. I think that um, regardless of the generation, we're going to be going into a really hard time. You know, there's people who have lost their jobs and we don't know how different industries are going to recover. Um, you know, there's, you know, people who have, there's, re, you know, 
people who have houses and mortgages and, you know, uh, then young people who aren't even on the ladder yet, who, you know, for example, folk who have, you know, just finished, uh, you know, school without exams and, you know, maybe, you know, had a certain expectation that, you know, and I, I think I when I remember back to being that age, which wasn't that long ago, <laughs> um, I... <laughs> don't comment, Graham. Don't comment. Oh, um, <laughs> but I remember, you know, you have you have this idea though in your head about, um, you know, this is a new beginning. You know that this is the end of a chapter that you're starting a new chapter. Regardless whether you leave school at sixteen, seventeen, or whenever, um, it's not really the point. Or whether you're at college and you're thinking that you were going to go to uni or you're going to start that new job and that job opportunity is no longer there. Um, you know, it's it's you are you aren't going to have that moment for a lot of people. Aren't going to have that moment. And it's about giving support and helping people see through that part because it will come. It will come, but it's how it will come might be different from what you planned it to be. You know, there's lots of weird and wonderful things that have happened in my life and none of them were planned. Um, You know, there's lots of things that happen in life. It's a lesson in life that we all learn that, you know, hardship happens and it can be really testing for us on individual ways. And, um, you know, I had a really tough time, um, you know, with some loss. Uh, in recent years and it's it's loss is a hard thing to deal with um, but it's processing it in such a time scale and then also having to dust yourself off and get back on the horse to try and build momentum to make sure that you you, you move forward and it's about how we offer that support around that um, and we don't have those answers yet but I think in the next coming weeks and months these are some of the central conversations that we will start seeing and hopeful we will see and they need to be at the front um, and it's important that organisations such as RYB and anyone who's listening to this podcast get involved to make sure that it stays at the top of the agenda. Is that important? Mm. I do have a few questions here written down, but you've actually already went over them, so I'm going to change around the order a wee bit. So I'm going to go jump to this one here. So what has it been like working through different jobs during the pandemic? Um, it's it's been good because it means that my focus is on different things at different times. Um, when I'm busy focused on being a counsellor, like I said, the roles kind of um, merge together in some ways because I'm offering support and help um, to people. But the type of work that I do as a nurse is very different um, from the stuff that I do in the constituency area um, and as a counsellor. So it's nice to just have different things to focus on. When I did a shift in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, it was really nice to be part of my nursing team again because obviously with it being an essential job I'm around people <laughs> it sounds really bizarre to just be grateful for that but just to be around people and to be doing my bit because it's what is actually one of the hardest things for me because obviously um, when I became a counsellor I resigned being a charge nurse and I decided that I would do like part-time hours um, as a nurse in order to allow me to do counselling uh, to my full capacity um, as I feel almost like I'm not doing enough and I know that sounds bizarre, you know, you've just said yourself that like you're doing, you know, this, what, you know, how's, what's the difference that you feel with it? But I, it's doing that bit, being part of the team, because if, if my colleagues are on the front line, I want to be there with them to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to look after people as much as possible. Nursing is in my bones. It's, I've done it for a long time now. And caring for people in the community, uh, be it as a counsellor or in my role as a nurse, um, or in the role that I work in with, you know, for the parliamentarian, it's, you know, it's all constituency based work that I do and it's because I care about people um, so although there's variances and differences between those roles um, at the end of the day it's nice just to have slightly different things to do within each of it but as long as it ultimately does make a difference to people then I feel happy in the work that I'm doing. I think I can 
to some degree I can um, sort of relate to you there with uh, actually just physically being able to meet people. Um, as I said earlier, the, the work that I do just as a service assistant within Screwfix um, as it's been deemed a sort of an essential store. So just in terms of working in Screwfix, um, it is nice to whenever I have those shifts as I only work generally either two to three shifts a week part time is that I do get to go in and see my colleagues and whilst there is always that kind of thought in the back of your head that is concerning that you are out there and coming in contact to some degree as much as social distancing kind of limits that with other people but uh, then you've got another other side of that that social contact that humans thrive off of and it, I find that that for me has helped me keep some of my sanity um, throughout this so I can kind of relate to you on that one. Yeah like I said I think we're all faced with different challenges in our work regardless of the work that we're doing you know we're all having to do things differently or you know, for people who aren't working at the moment you know that in itself has its own difficulties because you have to prepare your mind for well how do I keep routine and that has got to be harder than anything else I was um, you know I had a very short period of time between um, sort of when I became a nurse and a crossover period between my old job and, and starting the new one um, and I found it really really tough just in, even in a normal circumstance to be able to have that structure to my day so you know it's kind of hard to be motivated to get up you know first thing in the morning and, and get on with your day when you feel like you know what is the purpose to my day what I'm going to do with my day and um, I think even with the best of intentions you know we have we, you know I, I have had those days where it's just I felt like just pulling over the cover and just like lying there because you know the, the thought of what is it you know I've you know you, you feel hopeless you feel helpless you feel like you know you don't do anything constructive or helpful or what you are doing isn't enough and um, we all have those moments and I think it's really really important that people are really upfront and particular people um, like myself who are in elected positions it's important that we say that it's okay to feel like that you know it's normal yeah I think that would maybe be a, a message that's really good for uh, anybody that's listening to this particularly young people that feel that they have uh, kind of maybe felt a bit down or that they don't want to wake up or they don't want to get out of bed and as you said just kind of pull the covers back over that can be even in normal circumstances a very normal thing to feel and so when we're all stuck at home and um and some of us may still be working or some of us might be struggling with that routine there are things that you can do that help to, to sort of deal with that and you, you will find more information on the young scott portal around how to sort of deal with sort of a loss of structure and things like that so for information and help on that have a look onto the the Bemshire young scott portal and there might be some tips there for you have you noticed an impact on your working life that has changed due to the virus so like i work in different hours i working less or working more and uh, do you feel less connected with the rest of your colleagues um i would say that my workload has increased um I, I i always have a bit of an open door policy um i do try to protect myself as well as i wouldn't you know i, I you know I, I do try and make time for myself but if a constituent contacts me and it's eight o'clock in the evening and they're really distressed by something then i will do my best to contact and deal with the issue um the type of contacts that i'm having um are the same as what we had before we found that this is where being a counselor has been quite progressive with technology um because people often will contact you i have social media pages um you know on on twitter and on facebook um you know so people will often contact you either via those forums or via email or your mobile you know so i have lots of different options already so people are utilizing them far more and um, i do worry about people who are isolated you know are most vulnerable people who are having to self-isolate and would maybe attend my surgeries because obviously that's something that we can't do so even if i was doing that online 
that's not something that they would attend. Um, these are people that, you know, still go by the old school way in that regards. Um, you know, so it's about, I hope that they're able to sort of understand that they can get messages to me. Usually, I do get contacts from people who do have that tech. Now, maybe someone who doesn't have it and they're just letting me know that that person's okay. Um, you know, so that's quite reassuring in that regards. Um, in terms of my colleagues, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's quite different not having meetings with all of them because uh, the council board now, there is um, four of us five, sorry, excuse me, five of us as councillors that are on one board. Uh, so I don't miss them because I see them all the time. I see once a week. <laughs> we have a on, on. <laughs> so uh, once a week, um, there is a meeting that takes place. Uh, that, Like I said, the emergency board, usually a board cycles once every, mm, roughly every 12 weeks, um, is that you would meet, uh, physically meet and have that meeting. Um, whereas um, at the moment, because of it being in, a, in an emergency, we're all meeting together once a week. So so um, I don't miss them very much because I get to speak to them all the time. Um, and we do have, um, like, you know, the usual sort of stuff like uh, Facebook groups, etc. Um, you know, WhatsApp. So we're finding other ways of communicating. Um, but it would be nice to have a proper meeting with us all in one room once this is done at some point. Yeah, I think that's something we can all relate to. I'm really looking forward to getting back to normal and being able to chair a, an RYB meeting with everyone or as, as many people as we can have there. Um, and then, as I said, maybe bring in a digital aspect of it as well and sort of just get everyone back in the same place will be will be nice when we get back to it yeah because what i found is yes it's cool to like text people and like facetime call them all the time but it's that one-on-one talk between two people that's it's unique and it's like we're all sociable beings so this is a really weird time for all of us and it's just the way of trying to adapt to what's happening around us that a lot of people are having issues with i think it's thanks to technology that we're still able to stay so sociable at the moment. Uh, I have had moments where I've thought, imagine this was to happen at another time in like our recent history where perhaps 20 years ago we didn't have things like Zoom or Skype or FaceTime and even WhatsApp uh, or social media to the degree that it's at today. And I wonder how different the world would be and if more people would be following the social sort of uh, distancing guidelines and the stay at home order and stuff just purely because of the length of time that this is going on for. And if they had no other ways of really communicating and being with people, how well would that have the the sort of um, adherence to those guidelines have been? That's uh, something I've been wondering just due to the whole situation we're under with technology we're quite quite fortunate in that regard so this is one of the times that we actually do reflect on what we have because as you said michelle your family who live up in somewhere else and it's good to have that sort of social media so you know you can contact them and you can think that you know you can say that they're okay and they're doing good and you can just contact them whatever but um, i suppose we didn't have what we had we probably had to do it in back in the olden days where we just write letters postcards i mean i wouldn't mind sending any use a postcard to be quite honest so but um, I just a wee old school postcard. Uh, <laughs> I suppose if I can't get over after this is done, the airports or maybe somewhere else as restaurants and stuff like that might not go back to the way they maybe used to did. It'll be social distancing, but um I'll sure be there for the digital online meetings. Look forward to it. Good. Same, actually. Due to 
the changes in new stresses in your work, have you noticed any impact on your general health and well-being as a consequence? Yes, um, because I have the horrendous habit of being a nervous eater. Um, I I wish I, I was the opposite. I wish I <laughs> I did the opposite. That I didn't eat, but um, no, I am a snackaholic. Um, I'm really bad for that. It's something that I've always been consciously aware of when I was younger. Um, you know, it's something that within my own health I do have to be conscious of. Um, and it does mean I have to exercise, so it can be really really hard because I like to snack and lots of stuff, and then I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go out and exercise. I do. I force myself to do it because it's important that we do have uh, to keep our physical health well um, you know because if I do feel like uh, with COVID-19 then we know that it's important that we have good physical health as well to make sure that we're able to battle the, the illness itself so um, yeah I must say that is probably my worst habit um, I love snacking and I will not apologise for it but I do need to be careful about it that's <laughs> my big thing same no <laughs> See, in these times, though, people do get really bored. And the first thing that kind of comes to their mind is they start to crave something that they really enjoy. So they'll probably get up and go and get something. And it'll just become a repeated habit again and again. There was a conversation that I had with someone literally yesterday as well. She was saying that food, sometimes in extreme circumstances or circumstances where people aren't feeling their best, their body will reach or their mind will reach for something that gives them that feel-good factor. And as a short and a quick fix, sometimes that can be food um, and so she then she also mentioned loads of other things like exercise walking uh, balanced diet and things like that that can all help your body stay in top shape and then if your body's in top shape then that can also help your mind as well um, specifically the one that she stressed the most was exercise um, but it was funny how she said that it's kind of almost an innate thing that your body's reaching out for something that gives it enjoyment gives it a wee boost even though it might not be entirely good for you in the long run in terms of your health if you're doing it and it's uh, quite interesting yeah and I think that's that's about the sensibility of it because I always do feel better more I feel more benefit out the exercise than what I do out the extra fries hey do you like that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh no that might be left in the cutting room floor <laughs> so but no exercise it really does like I, I, it's all to do with like because like not everyone's into the whole relaxation thing you know the deep breathing listening to music sometimes just going out for a run sometimes walking just walking and getting some general exercise it makes such a difference because you're physically removing yourself from that place that your head space is in at that time it makes such a difference it really does it really helps um your positive mindset so it's more like you know you can do it i can do this i'm better at this you know and it keeps you motivated encouraged to do stuff rather than a lot of people will probably like like to stay in their rooms and be in their head a lot and with the pandemic run well with the situation we're in as of now it's probably really hard for people to maybe adapt to the current situation or they feel like they don't have anyone to talk to and it's just they're in their head all the time so it's really good to get out and have a bit of exercise yeah i'm i'm the biggest guilty person about that it's like i'm see if i don't feel motivated to do it and i just sit in my room and my mind goes into hyperdrive and then violet's like what the heck are you doing man just talk to me for God's sake. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But it's like one of those where it's like, you need to try and get into yourself into a good rhythm and a good pattern so you're not kind of falling off the rails and doing something that is totally unhealthy, but it's something to comfort how you're mentally feeling. I think this will be something that will probably resonate. If nothing else in this podcast does, then I think this section will definitely 
probably something people will sort of relate to the most is the impact that it can have on their mental health and how they make the coping with it. And I think what you, you've said, Graham, and what we've all kind of said there's an open and, and sort of frankly is pretty amazing to, to hear that that sort of struggle of, you know, reaching and looking in the fridge just even though you looked at half an hour ago to see what else you can maybe have a, a, a quick bite at. Um, at least that's something that everybody sort of does or that a lot of people can find that they're not the only person doing it. As everyone has been finding new or sometimes even old ways of filling their time, what new skills or hobbies have you tried your hand at? Or what old skills and hobbies have you tried to get back into? Um, I have, well, there's one older one and one newer one. Um which is that I find it very therapeutic to bake. Like, I really love, like, baking a cake or biscuits and stuff. Like, I know we've just previously said about, like, <laughs> like and I know that that's really important. Um, but, um, like, you know, obviously, like, you've seen, like, I know people are laughing about the number of people that are making banana loaf and, like, you, know, you can't get bread <laughs> anywhere and all this sort of stuff. But it's incredibly therapeutic. It's about going through a process and not, thinking about anything else in the world all that matters is that banana loaf that you're making in that moment um you know so it's i do find that a very therapeutic thing to do to be um you know because it is it, i have a very active mind and i think about my work a lot and you know have i done everything i possibly can to help that person or that situation and it's a way of me automatically forcing myself to switch off um so i really do find that quite helpful the other thing that i've done which is more uh a modern technology thing is um, I've actually taken to casual gaming um, so, able to, so um, it's, it's like no judgment here because like I, I'm not big on like video games or TV um, like I watch maybe a series of something that, you know on Netflix or otherwise um, but I've I've taken to playing Animal Crossing and I oh. absolutely Oh my god. Adrian loves that. Violet's having a meltdown. Adrian loves Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is amazing. I love it. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, do you know, it's, it's literally escapism. I love it so much for that. It does so, you know, it just, you get to focus on your fishing and, uh, you know, make sure that the place looks nice. And I just, <laughs> for me, it's been really, really good. To, like for me, because I'm rubbish at gaming. Like I've tried previously to stick to, like I had the Nintendo Switch uh, for a while. I got it like at Christmas time and I hadn't, you know, it'd been gathering dust because I just didn't have the time. And anytime I did look at it, just kind of, you know, I wasn't that interested. Um, whereas that I've been forcing myself more and more to play. And I'm absolutely amazed at how much I've been playing that game. So yeah, I found that uh, that has been really, really helpful for me. Um, so judge me as you wish. Um, <laughs> but that's something that I found to be really, really good. I tried to make something the other day in classic me. I sent, set off the fire alarm. Graham, you can't cook full stop. Silent? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. You can, you can always try. You can always try. <laughs> But I, 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 know what, I know what you mean by like the, the gaming side of it, like I'm a big gamer and Violet's a mediocre gamer, but it's playing a game and escaping that world, like escaping real life and you're in a virtual world where it's just you and whatever you're doing. So it's like I play all the Arkham games, Batman Arkham games, and a game called Surviving Mars, which is a strategy game. So you need to build water plants and uh, generators to build your civilization and it just gets more and more and more. So gaming's, I think, the best thing for that is 
that escapism of what's happening now into a virtual world? I suppose when people feel they have more free time, they will usually probably maybe read a book, watch a film, or they'll most likely game. Just some way to get like out of their head and like let their imagination run wild. Yeah, I think like reading is something for me that I really do enjoy. Um, I have struggled um, to keep focus. I really like to get really into a space with a book, um, but it's because just the last couple of weeks have been that stressful. I've really struggled to get into it. But I am part of a book club that um, we've met about one book, um, and I'm really I'm determined to try and make the reading thing more productive in my routine because I know that it'll be better for my own mental health as well and um, I'll feel better because it's like stretching a muscle isn't it you know it's like you're you're making yourself think more you're taking away from that stress. It's, it's good for escapism as well so you know never never turn down a good book uh, because it, uh-huh. or even never judge a book because there's been many books that I've always thought oh, I'm not that interested in it but you need to give it a couple of chapters to get into a book and then you never know you might be surprised how important do you think youth work is in helping Renfishers and even Scotland's young folk cope with hard times like these? I think that the outreach that um, youth work presents um, at times like this is really, really important. Um, you know, that it's about keeping it at front, like I said before. It's about making sure that young people's supports are there um, you know that I think that this has been a really unique circumstance that youth work have been faced with you know you've nobody has had to ever deal with this before in our lifetime and um, you know so what can be an incredibly hard job um, that you know I've always commended the workers in Renfrewshire for all the the support that they offer young people and um, you know but it's made that much more challenging because now it's how do you outreach to everyone in the houses not just in one particular setting and um, you know I think that there will be lessons learned about um, how we do connect with young people um, and how we take those next steps forward to make sure that it's progressive. Um, you know, youth work needs to roll with the times um, of what young people are wanting. We've spoke about different generations having different experiences. And um, we've spoke about how you know young people now and the way that you know they're dealing with this pandemic is very different from maybe other generations. We have to make sure that youth work is also aligned with that as well. It's incredibly important. Does anyone have any other comments? No, I, I suppose maybe just adding to, to what Michelle said there about youth work um, and just agreeing there with, with what you're saying. And um, in my experience, anecdotally, um, I think the sort of the support that Remshire Council's Youth Services have been providing has been um, phenomenal. I was talking with um, one of RYV's trustees recently and was just mentioning that the, the support and stepping up to the plate that the youth workers and the CLOs have really sort of carried out from the start of this pandemic, making sure that there is that constant link of someone to talk to or coming together, even meeting virtually, and then implementing further things as well throughout the week just to make sure that people have a bit of escapism or something to, to link in with. Um, I know even if I haven't been at all of them I really appreciated those and I really enjoy those times where we do come together with, uh, virtually so I have to say I think that youth work even just for myself whether it's something that I'm involved in sort of um, putting on or whether it's being part- participating in it has been a huge help for myself. I agree with Adrian on that one it has been like a great thing um, that's been a great part to like opportunity to work in this um, campaign we're doing right now and it's I always like personally for me I always enjoy looking forward to like our meetings that we do and talking more about the campaign and um it's just been great to like be a part of something like this yeah and the other perks of youth work is that you meet people from all different backgrounds of all different ways of life and it's that together as one big group everyone bringing something new to the table and especially in a project like this which is so diverse and so big 
everyone has a specialty. So like mine is like podcasting and this type of stuff and editing. Violet's is the journals and the surveys and Adrian's just Adrian. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's that thing of through youth work, like I've I've been working with Lizzie and youth services for three years now, over three years when the youth commission started. And the amount of people I've met and the amount of new people I've met and now friends for friends for life, including Hoddit and Doddit over here. <laughs> so it's youth work's very important to a young person's life because it helps them grow into a better person and also gives them skills that they didn't think they would need in the big bad world that will be very useful for them. I think it you just saying that game kind of succinctly brings it back to that that almost old adage that the the hashtag that you're using at the moment that youth work changes lives and from what you've just said there is um you've highlighted in a snippet and maybe even perhaps through what we've all kind of just said is how it has perhaps changed our own lives and I think we're all better for being involved in youth work and for having that time and that resource there for us which I personally enjoy being a part of that process and sort of providing that for younger people and also enjoy and I'm grateful for having it there for us. I suppose as being a young individual, um, oh yeah, as I'm not, sorry, I messed that up. Um, as being a young individual, as like part of a youth work group, it makes you like really optimistic about the future and it develops more skills and it helps with getting maybe a new job or something. It's really good for putting your CV and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like one thing I can say about it is right at the beginning, Adrian and Lizzie can back me up in this. Right at the beginning, I'd never spoke, or I was very shy and like couldn't do stuff like this. I know me shy, it's surprising, but I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, and then I couldn't speak in front of five people. Then at the pay awards last year, I spoke in front of like 150, maybe even more people. So that's one of the perks is like youth work builds confidence and also gives you friends for life. Like I met Violet last year and I remember first time I met her, I slagged her. I slagged her because of her Irish it's accent. like Michelle, my first encounter with everyone, they all <laughs> thought it would be good to surround me in a circle and just slag my accent. <laughs> all of them <laughs> because, what a good welcome yeah very nice and then, and then as the roadshows got on Violet came a bigger part of RIV as well she kept coming to the meetings and then ended up becoming best friends with us this here but <laughs> but that's the thing is like I've made friends for life and people that I love very much and also miss very much as well but that's one of the perks of your work is bringing people together from all different areas and making it one big family. And that's where Adrian's specialty comes in is he makes it like a big family. Like everyone's important. Everyone has a role to play and no one's going to get left out. Well, thank and you for that. That's one of the, the things that I sometimes struggle to understand is when people say that and specifically you say it quite frequently, Graham, is that I make it like one big family and sometimes it's kind of hard to see how you fit into that jigsaw and how I do that but I think from what you said there about trying to make sure that everyone has their 
they're taught and that they know that they are important I can understand that I, I personally feel like that is a big part of when you work with young people is that you need to give them that value you need to let them know that they are valued and that every voice is as important as the next and although I might be the chairperson that doesn't mean that I can just run away with it and start um, doing whatever I want on behalf of RYV it needs to be from you guys um, but I'm just a wee bit concerned about the time that we're running over so if we can wrap this one up quickly please yes right so as we're coming to the end of our podcast i hope everyone is doing well staying safe and keeping busy and keeping in contact with the people they love and care about the most i would also like to say a big thank you to michelle for coming on today and talking to us and also uh, a round of applause to you for being on the front line and oh michelle (laughs) and for help for helping and just been awesome and amazing and keeping in touch with everyone and within your community but myself zoe violet and some more special guests will be back next friday so i hope to see you there